How are you all today? Woo! All right. Glad to hear it. Um, a few weeks ago, we studied the early Christian church and how they relied heavily on prayer. How they met constantly together in prayer. And when they did, miracles happened. Just this amazing stuff. Their lives changed. Their world changed. And so we adopted a prayer. If you'll, the prayer to say every day to wherever you may be throughout the course of your day. But will you say it with me? Lord, give us the desire to pray and teach us to pray. That's what we've been focused on. And so we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer because that's what Jesus gave his disciples when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we've learned that Jesus started the Lord's Prayer by helping us have a deeper understanding and appreciation for who God is. Because if we know God and we appreciate him, we're more likely to want to talk to him, right? Yes. And so the first line of the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And understanding that God is our good, heavenly Father who loves us, and that he's holy. Two weeks ago, we looked at what God's holiness means. The word holy means to be set apart. And when we say that God is set apart, we mean specifically that there is one God who exists. In this eternal love relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three equal persons. And the Father is set apart to love and be loved by the Son and Holy Spirit. And the Son is set apart to love and be loved by the Father and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is set apart to love and be loved by the Father and Son. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There is no one like our God. And it is out as really as an extension of the overflowing love that he is, that God created us. Why don't you stand with me and we'll pray to our Heavenly Father now by praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today we're studying the line, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And the the concept of the kingdom of God is referred to many times throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's also called the kingdom of heaven. The Bible uses those words interchangeably. We're going to be looking at several different scriptures. Some of them will be on your screens. Two main ones will not be. Not be. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, I'll be heading there shortly. And then after that, Matthew chapter 5. So you can like 
find one and stick a finger or bookmark in the other, all right? Philippians 2 and Matthew chapter 5. A class like Casket Empty would really help with a sermon like this. Because Casket Empty gives you a framework for understanding where all the different pieces of the Bible fit together. And so when we have concepts that aren't just in one scripture, but we see them throughout scripture, and we got to pull from here and pull from here and pull from here to understand it, having a framework helps a lot. Because it gives you context. And so... Casket empty, you can still join. I will be there today. It's being taught by Stephen, who has his master's in biblical language. Um, and there's meal, right? I think. Are we having potluck today? It's potluck Sunday. I'm learning, catching on slowly. Um, so you can get some food and then head back to the class. And I hope you join us. It, it's going to be very beneficial. All right. So. We're studying what this means by God's kingdom. When we say the kingdom of God, we've, we're, we're referring to God's good and gracious rule and just rule over all that he's created. God rules in accordance with his character. We, we just kind of talked about that. How his character is that he exists in this perfectly united love relationship where each member, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit... They always are serving the other members. They're always exalting and honoring the other members above themselves. It's this relationship of self-sacrificing love. And it's out of that character that God reigns. And he rules over his creation. With self-sacrificing love. And once we recognize the wondrous character of our God. That he is good and trustworthy and he sacrifices for us and he's wise. The response is to submit to that. To realize, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I need a leader and who better? So we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in us. All right. When I actually teach this prayer to my children, this is how we pray it. Because I wanted them to learn that when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we don't just mean all the people out there who need help. (laughs) We are part of the earth. So God, your kingdom come, your will be done in us, on earth, as it is already done in heaven. God fully reigns in heaven. It begs the question, why does God not fully reign here? Have you ever wondered that? Well, it's because he chose to reign with us here. A couple weeks ago, we looked at how in Genesis, when God created the world, he created everything good. And his first act with us was to give a gift of self-sacrificing love, to give us authority over the creatures that he had just made. But instead of reigning over creation, all the creatures and the plants, like God does with self-sacrificing love, instead of reigning in his image, 
we chose to reign in selfishness, put our desires first, and it just broke everything. And everything that was put under our reign became broken, including ourselves. But God's amazing because he's faithful. And he, and once he, he gives and makes a promise, he keeps it. And so God is still determined that we will reign over creation in his image. And so in one of the greatest mysteries of all time, God the Son becomes human. And comes to earth to reclaim our authority over creation. To reclaim humanity's authority over creation. In Jesus, we see how we were meant to reign. He has the power to heal. Right? He has the power to multiply resources. Loaves and fishes. He has the power... To calm the wind and waves over creation. He even has power over death. Yet Jesus doesn't use this power to dominate others. He uses it to serve and sacrifice for others. Listen to what he told his disciples. Matthew 20, we're going to have it up here. Thank you. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. Jesus called them, his disciples together, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, Gentiles is just anyone who's not a Jew, so that would be like me. (laughs) You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, that's the name Jesus often used to refer to himself. He was the Son of God, but he became human, so he's also the Son of Man. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He served. And then he gave his life up for us. I know sometimes I wonder why. You know, like, why didn't Jesus just stay and keep reigning? Have you ever thought about that? He was doing such a good job. You know, he could heal everybody who's sick, he could feed the poor. No one could challenge his authority. He could even stop natural disasters. Why didn't he just stay and keep making everything right? Because it was never his goal to rule over creation alone. That was never God's intent. God wants to reign over creation with us. And so Jesus, one of his purposes in coming to earth, and I just stress one because there were many things that he accomplished. But one of his purposes was to restore our ability to reign in the image of God. But for us to reign in the image of God, we have to be reconnected to God. 
And the Bible is very clear that we have all disconnected ourselves from God. That's that's putting it mildly. That we've decided we want to live our own lives, go our own way. We've rebelled against God. And this sin separates us from God. And the penalty for that sin is death. Now that may sound harsh. But think of it this way. Where does life come from? From God, from the creator. Right? So if you separate yourself from the source of life, what happens? You die. There could be no other effect. So Jesus came and he took our sin upon himself. And he paid that price. He died. And then rose back to life so he could offer eternal life to anyone who believes in him. The Bible says that if we turn from our sin, if we repent, that's, that's all repentance means. It means turning. <laughs> so if we're going in our own way and we turn from our sin and we believe that Jesus Christ is God's son who died for us and rose again, God will forgive our sins. And all of that rebellion and sin is washed away and the gap between us and God closes. And so the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. We become reconnected to our life source. We also become reconnected to our source of authority. And the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us in how to rule like Christ. Not the selfish, kind of dominating, greedy, self-seeking rule, but a selfless rule that puts others above ourselves. Listen to the words of Philippians chapter 2. I'm there now. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus Every tongue shall, con- every, I'm sorry, every knee shall bow in, in heaven and earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. God exalted Christ not so he could domineer over others, but because he had proved himself trustworthy. A leader who laid down his power and sacrificed for others. We have a horrible shortage of those kind of leaders today. 
or maybe we have them, but it seems we tend to become enamored with and exalt the charismatic, grandiose leaders who are boastful and and promise to serve us. But again and again, it, it just seems like they end up just wanting to do whatever will keep them in power. It's a lie that leaders are tempted to believe, even good leaders, that no one can help these people as well as I can. And the more success the leader has, the more responsibility they accumulate, and the harder it is for anyone else to fill their shoes. And so it becomes a self-fulfilling lie. It becomes easier and easier for that leader to believe no one else can do this job. No one else can handle all the pressure I handle. No one else can get the results I can get, so I have to stay in power. And that is pride. One of the things Jesus teaches us again and again is that God the Father exalts those who willingly lay down their power. He says things like, in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But the humble will be lifted up. Jesus also taught us that no bad tree can bear good fruit. So you can't use corrupt people and corrupt means to accomplish good things that are good and pure and that will last. My family um, is a big Star Wars fans. I I think Eric and I especially qualify as full-on geeks. Uh, We can talk about legends and canon and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we just finished watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I will tell you, first of all, not everything in Star Wars or from Disney reflects God's truth. Okay? Good qualification. But that series, the Kenobi series, illustrated this biblical principle beautifully. You have Anakin Skywalker, who wants to bear good fruit. He wants to bring peace to the galaxy. But he's impatient. And instead of listening to and working with people, he overpowers them. And the more he overpowers them, the more he believes that he is meant to be in power. Because nobody has the power he has. And nobody can bring peace to the galaxy as effectively and efficiently as he can. Except he's not bringing peace anymore. He's bringing terror. He's become Darth Vader. Now, on the other hand, you have Kenobi, who compared to Vader seems pretty weak. (laughs) And he responds to Vader's terror by sacrificing himself. By putting his life at risk so that others can escape or be saved. 
every time he does this, he's pretty sure he, he's probably going to die. But every time he does this, he actually becomes stronger. And he is able to bring a small measure of peace to those around him. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we are meant to do as Christians. Not be proud and impatient and have these grandiose dreams about all that we can accomplish, but knowing that by sacrificing ourselves, we can bring a small measure of peace to the people around us. That's what we're called to do. When Jesus came to earth, he went around preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He brought God's kingdom and reign with him. And he invited us to follow him so we could learn how to rule. And then he sacrificed himself. He paid the price so we could be reconnected with God. The Holy Spirit could come and empower us. And then he left. So that we would be God's representatives on earth and the kingdom of God would spread through us until he returns. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are submitting ourselves to the reign of God. And the more and more of ourselves that we submit to God's reign, the more and more of his character will be produced in us. And we will begin producing fruit like kindness and goodness, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, love. These kind of things will flow out of us and attract other people to the kingdom of God. Because that is what our world wants more than anything. And when Jesus returns, he'll rule over all. And those who have rejected him will get exactly what they want. Life without God. And they'll be sent away from all of God's goodness, all of his blessings, to a place of punishment known as hell. But to those who have accepted him, They are invited to reign with him in the new heaven and new earth. Not just sit on clouds and play harps. We will have jobs to do. Not reign over the whole galaxy. That's Christ's job. We don't need to exalt ourselves to God's status. But reign and bring peace to the small portion of his creation that he entrusts us with. That's what it means to reign with Christ. Until he returns, we're the representatives of his kingdom on earth. Not domineering over others, but serving and loving others. I want you to listen to who Jesus says inherits the kingdom of God. This is in Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 3. Lord, help your words to sink into our hearts and our souls and our minds. 
Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds. And praise your Father in heaven. The more we read scripture, if you read it carefully, the more you will come to understand that even though God's kingdom spreads throughout the earth through believers, believers increasingly lose political power. By the time Christ returns, Christians are being persecuted by governments. In many nations, this is already happening. So while we may gain some political victories, it is not through laws that God's kingdom ultimately comes. I am very grateful that this week Roe versus Wade was overturned. That's been something I've been praying for for a long time. Because I believe all life in all sizes, (laughs) shapes, and colors is made in the image of God and therefore infinitely precious. All human life is and deserves to be protected. And so while I'm grateful, I am also very sober, though, knowing that the kind of protection that comes from laws is flawed and limited. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue justice in our laws. We must. Not only for unborn children, but for all children, all people. For example, um, someone brought these sheets in. 
that talk about now the law of Michigan is our law that was passed back, I think, in 1931, a ban on abortion. That law now stands because the federal law has been abolished. But there are people who want to overturn that law and make abortion the legal law of Michigan. And so there's these flyers that talk about how to get involved in that issue. And they're back there um, in the lobby by on the same table as the sign-up for praying for our search team. I hope you look at both. I hope you get involved in whatever cause for justice that God lays on your heart. But our hope does not come from political laws or from political leaders. What has become abundantly clear to me these past few weeks is I've watched history unfold, and there has been a lot of history happening the past couple weeks. And as I've watched that in light of what Scripture says, is that no bad tree can bear good fruit. Righteousness and justice do not come from political kingdoms. Righteousness and justice come from the kingdom of God. Freedom, peace, prosperity does not come from following boastful leaders who claim to protect our way of life. Freedom, peace, and prosperity come from following Jesus Christ who laid down his life and who calls us to lay down our lives so that we can gain something even better, eternal life. I have been grieved by how many Christians are following arrogant leaders they listen to in the media. Leaders who are quick to attack anyone who has a differing opinion than them. Leaders who are quick to make fun of and demean others. Leaders who divide by inflaming fears. And I have been grieved by how many Christians are increasingly sounding like the arrogant leaders they listen to. That is not how our leader taught us to behave. We must be careful how we fight. If we try to protect life by exalting leaders who abuse life, we become hypocrites. And we cease being God's light in the world. How can salt be made salty once it loses saltiness? We stop being light. We lose our witness. We may win a battle, but we will lose the war. How we fight matters. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 4. says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The weapons of the world are slandering enemies, attacking others, pointing out their faults while minimizing your own. We can't win that way. We can only bring God's kingdom to earth if we fight as Jesus Christ fought. Not by exalting ourselves, but by humbling ourselves. Not by slandering our enemies, but by loving them and praying for them. Not by judging the faults of others, but repenting of our own. 2 Corinthians 7.14 says, If my people, the onus is on us, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Forgive their sin and heal their land. It starts with us humbling ourselves. And repenting of our sin. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Paul writes this. I urge then first of all that prayers, petitions, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to end this um, message with a time of prayer, just like that verse describes. A time of offering thanksgiving and prayers and intercession for all people. All different types of people and all different types of leaders, including the ones we may not like. Because it is good and it pleases God. And it is how we bring God's kingdom to earth. I'm going to start the prayer. I've already invited some others to come up and pray with me. Worship team, you guys can come. And different people are just going to pray for a different subject or people group that God puts on their heart. And they're going to pause in between and just let you agree with them. You can pray your own words quietly to God as well. Okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who set the example for us to know how to live and how to reign. God, I pray our attitude will be like Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with you something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. 
and becoming a servant. Give us hearts to serve others. God, may we see people as you do. Now lead us as we pray and intercede and give thanks for people, Lord. stamina that they need to follow your way. Father God, we thank you so much for our youth today. We pray you would bring truth into their lives. We pray you would guide us in guiding them. Protect them as our children live for you and bring light to the dark places. Bring healing. Bring strength. And bring peace in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the president and for all who hold office. I pray your presence would flood the White House and the nation. And I pray that biblical morals would make their way back into the country. Thank you for the gift of life, liberty, and freedom. Each life is a gift that you have given us. We ask that you shine the light of love, peace upon all the people of our country as families struggle with the decision of abortion. We ask that uh, you give them the understanding that there are alternatives that preserve that beautiful, wonderful life that you have given them. just thank you for the community around us that you have Mm -hmm. chosen to place us within and Father we just lift them up to you this week as we navigate the trauma and the grief that has taken place in our community. Father I just would pray that you would be with those on all sides. Father we pray that your hand of peace and comfort would be on those who are struggling with incidents that have happened this week. Father, we just pray that your will would prevail, that you would help all to maintain a sense of your peace, your justice, your rightness, that calm heads would prevail in these situations. I pray for the leaders in this community as they navigate this time, that you would give them wisdom beyond that capable of man alone, that they would have your discernment and your knowledge and your peace. 
Father God, I'd like to lift up our search committee, that they are um, diligent in their prayer time, as all the other people around us, them are praying for them as well, that things will become clear for them, and they will be able to follow your lead. Father, we come before you today asking you to give us a calmness, asking you to give us a chance to think things over, not to be quick to judge and to be slow mm -hmm. to speak, yes, to follow sir. your desires, Father. Help us to be calm with other people that we don't understand. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you always make a way forward. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to calm and comfort and guide us. God, our world needs more of you. We need more of you. God, I pray for our leaders in schools, for teachers, for administrators who have a seemingly impossible task now. Not only in instructing children, helping them catch up from a pandemic and grappling with how to protect life, something that, a responsibility that shouldn't even be laid on them, Lord. Strengthen and encourage them and give them the help and resources that they need. God, I pray for our officers and I thank you for how they serve our communities. But God, I know that they, many also suffer from PTSD. And that follows them home and affects them with their families. It also affects their discernment on the job. And so we pray for your healing. And that you would reign through our governing officials, including our officers. God, there cannot be any administration of justice without you. Our attempts to administer justice apart from you fail. So God, I pray that you will insert yourselves into our governing authorities, whether those be officers or attorney generals or judges, and lawmakers, God. Lead them and guide them. Heal them. And may you be their compass. God, I pray for those who belong to communities who are oppressed. 
after this recent shooting, I think especially of young black men. God, I think of my friend, my fellow pastor, Chase, who told me of his own trauma he has now every time he sees and reads about another shooting. And how he begins to have panic attacks. I think that is happening to many people, God. And we pray that you encourage and protect them. And lead and guide them. As they try to navigate a society that does not always welcome them. God, we're living in the midst of the great migration where more people are fleeing violence than at any other point in human history. Ukrainians, Syrians, people in Congo and in other places of Africa that are experiencing tribal warfare. God, in South and Central America where there is gang-related warfare and people are fleeing. God, we need you. We need the Prince of Peace. We pray you protect those who cannot protect themselves. And God, we pray that the hearts of the leaders would be in your hands. And that they will follow you or be removed by you. God, I thank you that right now the price of my freedom that I most actively feel is $5 gasoline. I thank you that I don't have bombs in my backyard. I thank you that I... Don't have to walk two miles to get water. God, help us be grateful for all the blessings you do give us. And help us be generous. Open our hearts to adopt all the babies who are going to be born now. Who have parents who are unable to care for them. Open our hearts and homes to take them in. May we be your light in the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in us and on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.